You ready, Nick? Let's do it. All right, everybody, talk about it outdoors live from the Wilson studio, ready to kick the tires and light the fires. We staying in the Southland, another Dixie brother that we cannot wait to get on here tonight. Y'all will recognize his name when we get him on, and I promise you, if you ain't already following along with him, you better, because he's the only man we've had on the show that's got hair better than mine. <laughs> Y'all pull up the chair instead of a while. This is going to be a fun one. Nicholas Wilson, January's rolling right on through the books. We picking them up and jotting them down, son. It's been fun already, and I cannot wait to get this one underway. We said it. We're going to kick a door open, man. We did, didn't we? Well, we, ain't, we ain't even got started yet, and we already uh, we already lighting fires ain't nobody able to put out. We're booking them up, baby. It's good, man. We've been chit-chatting with this guy for a little while, and glad to get him finally on here. Yeah, and I think that he ties right into what we try to do here, you know, telling the stories that we do. He's got a great concept of what he puts himself out there as, and he's a he's a popular guy on YouTube. He's a popular guy on anything that he touches, and it seems like that very uh, just laid-back, humble approach that he brings to the table reminds me a lot of you when I watch a video of him. It's, he's just got a, he's a little bit little bit longer hair than you, so and I know he likes to talk and a skinnier. little bit more. Yeah, yeah, he might be a little skinnier too, but he is a – He's a fine guy that we uh, we kept, we've been excited to get on, and we appreciate him taking his time to get on here with us. So, um, from right up the road, Nashville, Tennessee, Franklin, Tennessee. As a matter of fact, he spent his time on uh, you know the hunting community for the last few years, and he's put out some great content on YouTube. And if y'all ain't already following along with him, you need to make sure you do it. But uh, it's indeed an honor and a privilege for me to welcome tonight, Mister Jonathan Baum. But y'all going to know him as Cap, man. Welcome to the show, brother. Thank you. Are you uh, are you as excited all the time as you have been tonight in the videos that you put out? I hardly ever see you get tore up too much. Yeah, it takes something like a big old gobbler to get me real tore up. Yeah, well, that we made it, it back two off. minutes and 30 seconds before Nick got fired up all turkeys. I, I knew what I was doing when we hooked up with him. You'll have to, you'll have to excuse us, Cat Man, because uh, Nick's the turkey hunter of the group, and I, I, I'm i not a turkey hunter at all. I've been. It ain't something I like to do, but if you like to talk turkeys, I'm going to shut up now, turn my mic off. I'm just going to let Nick talk to you for the next hour or so. Careful, that's dangerous. <laughs> With him, it is, too, because I guarantee you he likes to talk it as much as he likes to talk to other people about it. We've had a, we've had a host of turkey oh, yeah. hunting guys on here, so and y'all done expressed y'all's, uh, y'all's desire to meet up at NWTF and yeah, spend some to, time together. He's going to have to come by and see us, man. We're at booth 1841 if you want to come by and see us, Cat Man. Um, 1841, okay. I'll have to write that down. Yeah, well, you'll, I'll be all over. Uh, you'll, see us, you'll see us over there. We'll probably, we'll probably flag you down. All right, cool. So for the people that don't know, um, Mr. Jonathan got his name from, uh, uh, I guess, a fishing forum. Is that correct? Yeah, well, I, I think it was a fishing forum. It was, I was probably 11 or 12. When I got into fishing, caught some catfish down in the creek. When I started getting on the internet, I just used the name Catman or Catman529, put my birth date on the end of it because Catman was taken and that kind of stuck ever since then. And I guess that's been a key tag for everything that you've done since. You go on, you go on YouTube and look up Catman. That's all you see. And I'll be honest with you, 
when Nick put on uh, our, our, we got a show calendar that we put on it, it, it guess it'd be of interest. He put Catman on there, and I texted him. I said, "What the heck is a Catman?" And he immediately sent me a link to one of your YouTube's. I was like, "Okay, I get it now." How long you? How long have you been producing stuff, Catman? So, I got I took interest in hunting when I was seventeen, eighteen, and uh, I'd messed around with YouTube before. I had a Google account, whatnot. I just started a channel just to post anything interesting because I always carried some type of camera with me. This was back when my when cell phone cameras weren't very good, so I had a little point and shoot. I'd take little videos or pictures or whatever. So I got into hunting a little bit. I got into shed hunting, started researching, learning a little bit here and there, went with a buddy a couple times, and uh, just started a channel to post anything interesting I found back in 2010. So it just kind of gradually grew from there. At that time, was it an Instagram page or was it YouTube? Or face, I guess it was it Facebook. It was YouTube. It was, uh, no, it was just on YouTube. Uh, I was on a couple of hunting forums too, but uh, I don't know. if it, Was Instagram even a thing back in 2010? I don't, I don't even. Well, it was for a while. It was only like college kids. It kind of started out like Facebook. You could only get, you had to have like a college account or something to log in and I, and then they, of course, opened it up to everybody. But in 2010, I wasn't worried I about was social Facebook. media for sure. MySpace probably all I had yeah, back MySpace. then. I've only had an Instagram four or five years or so, maybe at the most. So you yeah, don't I started on YouTube. You don't seem like a a real driven social media person. You don't seem like you got a whole lot of care what people put on there or, or care to share or anything. You just get on there and be yourself always, don't you? Yeah, if it's not worth posting, I won't bother. Like I try to post something every now and then, every now and again, to keep it interesting. But uh, I mean, I like scrolling through Instagram. It's because it's simple. You just go through people's pictures and videos and scroll through a lot of BS and see what you like. So I like posting on there every now and again. But I'm not like posting every day or anything. Now, growing up in Nashville, did you ever have a music career, or did you just you steer away from that? No, uh, I I grew up. My parents moved down here before I was born. They they're from Pennsylvania. They moved down here in the eighties, and so I've just always lived here. Ever been back to PA hunting? Not hunting. No, I've been up there fished a bunch. Uh, I have not been been able to make a trip up there and hunt yet, but it's on the bucket list. We got a lot of things on the bucket list, <laughs> don't we all? Well, I, we yeah. we got a guy that comes on from time to time. We made pretty good friends with. And he, uh, O.R.P. Scritchfield from Scritchfield Knives, and he comes uh, comes to us for hunting with a flintlock from up in PA. That's their big drive nice. up there. Have you heard of R.P.? They got that flintlock season. No, I haven't. R.P. is the one that, um, would you say, donated? Well, he yeah, he donated two knives. You know the knives that they're going to auction away at the NWTF this year? Have you saw? Oh, okay. Have you saw them on social media? I have not seen. Got, it, no. it, they took the he took the leg and the spur part of it and put a blade in it. Took the blade and put made it like a a, a tail feather. Have you not saw? Oh saw yeah, that? I may have. I may have seen that. That sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. They're doing. Uh, he donated two to them and they're auctioning them both off up there. Nice. Expecting a big draw for that. RP's a good fella. He's you know just like we are. Likes to hunt and fish and cut up and, and have a good time. And he's he's gonna be there. He'll be a 
you need to you need to he's introduce a, him. He's a caller. He's going after the grand slam this year on turkeys with a uh flintlock. Oh, nice. Yeah. That'll be cool. Yeah. It's one of the only I think he said there's only one person that ever done it, so Hope it, I hope his powder stays dry. That sounds like a heck of a time. That's the name of the episode. Yeah, I hope you, hope your powder stays dry for sure. Yeah. Well, cat man, I've you, never shot a flintlock. Oh, I ain't neither. I ain't neither. Just shot an old percussion cap uh, gun. Yeah. I spent some time cool. up in Franklin, Tennessee, doing a Civil War reenactment. Probably twenty years ago, we come up there. We used to do them all around the southeast. Franklin's a big town for Civil War history. Oh yeah. Oh, they've dug artifacts here on the place I live on. It's all kind of the Battle of Franklin, Battle of Spring Hill, Battle of Nashville. There's all kind of stuff around here. Encampments cool. and everything else. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, take us back. You you said that you'd got started hunting when you were 17, 18 years old. And, you know, realistically, that's that's a lot different than a lot of what people think. You know, a guy that's been in the social media eye or, you know, filming himself and what got you into the hunting, you know, as far as it, was it a, a family member or was it someone else? No, it's just kind of a, like a spark went off one day. I, I, re- I remember what set it off. I've been fishing. I, I got in, interested in fishing the same way just by walking down to the creek and told my dad I wanted to fish. So he got me started back when I was like uh, 10 or 11. I always had in the back of my head, maybe I'd hunt someday, but I never thought much of it, but I do remember Thanksgiving Day on uh, in 20, uh, 2009. We had a we used to live in a house that had a bunch of woods behind the backyard. Thanksgiving Day, a whole flock of turkeys comes through, and I run out there chasing, watch them fly to the trees, and I got to thinking, how can I catch one of these things and, and cook it up, you know? And uh, that was just a starting thought. And then that, that one thing led to another. I started researching, learning about turkey hunting, regulations, turkey calls, all that kind of stuff. And it just kind of went from one thing to the next. And then 2010, I had a friend of mine I used to fish with, took me turkey hunting one day, almost got a shot at one. And then 2011, I took off on my own. Or late 2010, actually, me and a buddy hunted some public land a couple times for deer. And then 2011, I really took off and killed my first turkey and started hunting a lot more back to that first turkey would you would you consider that a successful endeavor or was it pretty new to you that it was like holy cow i mean did that that spark really just ignite the fire for you oh i'll never forget i can still see that thing fall dead at six yards i was sitting up under a red cedar tree on the edge of a field got a there's a whole flock of them some long beards and full strut jakes hands everything I got one of the hens mad. She came running into about five yards with two jakes on her tail, and I dropped him right there, like <laughs> six yards. Yeah, oh. I remember that very well. I always like to hear them paint that picture. You know, tell the tell the story of those first birds or whatever. I I don't I don't turkey hunt, but I could about see myself sitting under a red tree. I'd be a good shot for me at five six yards, though. I'd be I'd be more apt not to miss if I was at twenty. What'd you start off with? Kept me in on calling-wise with, because I see now that you make um, wing bones. You know, I've got it behind me somewhere. I'd have to dig on that shelf for it, but I made, I since I was doing a lot of researching online, because I didn't really have a mentor, I learned pretty quick you can make a tube call out of a film canister or a snuff can, or I think my first one I made was a, an empty spice 
shaker container. But then I ended up making one out of bamboo, whittling it out, made a tube call. And uh, that's what I killed my first turkey with and called in several others with the tube call after that. You still use it, that bamboo? The original one, no, it's not in very good shape. I've still got a, I've got a couple tube calls around. I've got one of the Primos ones, the plastic ones that works pretty good. And I've got a couple old bamboo ones I made years ago laying around. I still carry it as a back, backup call sometimes. Um, but I started, uh, trying out the wing bone just for fun in 2013 and I'm still calling, still hunting with the same call I made in 2013. I think it was maybe the second wing bone call I had made to still hunt with that same call. Now I bought one of those tube calls and, uh, I, I can't get it down, but man, I, I cuz Strickland loves that thing, boy. It's a, I guess mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a really good locator cause you can't really call too quiet on that thing. Correct. Uh, you can tone it down, yeah. Can you? But you can get pretty loud with them too. Yeah. I think it was Cuz that gave me that call that that um couple years ago, that Primos call. I think it was a Primos call. Um, whatever the one is that comes in Bottomland. Okay. Um, I think it was Cuz that gave it to me. I, I could be wrong, but I've been using that call as a backup because I I got my bamboo calls are either broken or missing somewhere, but. Yeah, I used to, you know that bamboo that people grow in their backyards? It grows a real dense thicket. It's about, stalks are about two inches thick. I would find a, I would find one that was about an inch and a quarter thick that was already dead and cut it down and then cut little sections. And then, you know, that segment in the bamboo where it goes all the way through at the middle of a segment that I would cut it off right there and then use a knife and whittle out that half moon shape and then take a piece of latex glove and a rubber band and stretch it over there it worked pretty good that's pretty wild Whew. right over my head Remember? you just went right over but i tell you if i was ever gonna make a turkey call i'd want if, to do it, it that i'd way. have to show you i'd have to have one in my hand to really explain it i don't know i just rattled that off but that's you, what i used to do do you remember those old uh back in the day those old film canisters those black ones yeah that's what people used to use those oh, yeah. too okay yeah, yeah they, film yeah. canister worked perfect yeah a lot of people I haven't seen one of those in a long time but yeah that's worked perfect <laughs> i haven't all either <laughs> i think i got a bunch of them dads we just he, when he moved we found a bunch of them old it was 35 millimeter i guess film canisters that come in that's right may have been older than that i don't know are you making a two-piece or a three-piece wing bone now i make three-piece my first one it's again it's behind me somewhere on this shelf but my first one i made was a two-piece i may have called in a turkey with it too i don't remember i do remember hunting with it how and much then I made a three-piece, and it was I like the three-piece better. It's just a little higher pitch. No, it's lower pitch. It's got a better. It's got a deeper tone to it. So in my opinion, I like the way it sounds a little better. Have you been able to use a? Uh, obviously, from a, I don't know if you can kill. Can you kill hens in Tennessee? Only bearded. You used to years ago. You could kill during the fall season. You could kill up to six birds a county, depending on the county bag limit. You'd kill six hens if you wanted in the fall season, but. Now it's just bearded birds only spring or fall. Have you tried a so hen, if it's a bearded hen? Have you tried a hen wing versus a gobbler or Jake? Yeah, several years back, and uh, gobbler and Jake are about the same. Uh, the hen, the hen wing was a little too high pitched for my liking. It just didn't match that tone of a actual hen turkey. But you can make the segments longer, make it lower pitched. The one I made was I made a couple of them, I think, and they were just a little too high pitched. So I prefer gobbler bones or Jake's. Gotcha. Alex, he, Alex, he got him a trumpet, yeah. 
Yeah, you got you, you made it the trumpet yet? I don't have a lathe to turn a trumpet, but I would like to. Yeah, yeah. Those, I, I bought one last year, man. I love that thing. It's it's it take a little while for me to get used to. Um, I've heard some trumpets. I've got uh, one or two that sound all right. I I can't remember what the good ones I've heard, but I've run a couple trumpets probably at the NWTF show that sounded really good. Mm-hmm. Your ma- your mouth it's call. It's the user? same thing. Yeah, I'll carry mouth calls back up. I always got one or two in my pocket. Switch it up. So the tube call is the go-to. No, the wingbone's been my go-to pretty much since 2013. Just because I got comfortable with it and I started killing birds with it, so that's kind of my go-to because that's what I'm most confident with. But I'll I'll cycle through. I also carry a pot call with me. I like crystal calls especially, but I always carry some type of pot call, a mouth call. And then occasionally a tube call. So I only got three or four calls tops when I'm hunting most of the time. What gun are you toting nowadays? I got it right here with me. It's a 870 Super Mag Turkey Edition with a True Glow red dot. That looks like a heavy son of a buck. That, right that is, that's exactly what I thought. It is heavy. <laughs> I got a sling for it. It, is, it is a heavy gun. You but it's um, got that side saddle mount on it. So if the if something happened with the red dot where it didn't work, you can look underneath and use the bead, which I actually had to do in Alabama a couple of years ago. I, it was, I had a bird fly down and it was so dark. It was shooting light, but he flew down. It was so dark. The red dot just lit up the whole entire site. And I couldn't see him. So I had to look under the site and shoot him with the bead at 12 yards. <laughs> yeah. Nick swapped up and bought him a, I got me a 20 gauge this year. I had been toting around a 12 gauge and, after going out west last year and toting that thing around miles and miles and miles, I said, I got to have something a little bit lighter. Yeah. Yeah, it's heavy, but I am I guess I'm used to it. I do have a 20-gauge. I got the little youth. It's the 870 Express 20-gauge. It's got a three-inch chamber. I could turn it into a turkey gun if I wanted, but that's my beat-around-the-bush gun, you know, shoot doves, uh, maybe shoot a wood duck or something, squirrel, whatever. That's just my kind of – all-purpose gun you know i like it it's real light what's what's tying back into what you just said about what kind of guns you're shooting it kind of ties into who you are as a as a hunter or as an individual you you don't have to go spend two thousand twenty five hundred dollars on a shotgun you're throwing around a 870 express that we all got in the safe or or grandpa or papa bought us or whatever and that's that's pretty cool to hear somebody say that you know and I think that's what's made you so popular with folks is they can relate to you. You know, you're just a normal guy yeah. just out there doing your thing and you can really relate to what you are and who you are. Yeah, I've always just been like, if it if it gets a job done, it gets a job done. I'm out there to hunt, not to have the nicest gun, which I've seen some really nice shotguns out there. I wouldn't mind shooting, but <laughs> right. I've been killing turkeys with this just fine. So <laughs> I'm out there to call in and kill a turkey first and foremost. Are you are you a turkey hunter over a deer hunter? I assume you are. Yeah, it's very close actually. I I would say turkeys come in a little bit before deer, but I spend so much time every year deer hunting. I'm still deer hunting. I'm going in, in two or three days. I'm going back to Alabama because season's still open. So I I put a lot of time into deer hunting. I love it, but it's not quite the same as turkey season. Do you have you made it out to the Midwest to chase whitetails? Not yet, no. I don't get a whole lot of time to travel right now. I'll try to 
I'll make one or two trips a year. You know, that's at getting on out there. Uh, I was in Indiana this past, uh, this past fall, but, uh, no, I haven't really ventured out into some of those big buck states as you would call them. Are you, is that on the roadmap? Everything is. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one thing. It just, you know, I got to figure out my priorities. Where am I going to, where am I going to go next? Am I going to make a trip out here for elk? Am I going to go after whitetail in Kansas? I, I have been considering Kansas. I got a couple of buddies that go over there. Um, yeah, there's a lot of options. I'll just kind of, I just kind of wing it and see, see what I got time for and make a decision and go. I'll tell you, you know, growing up in the South, it, it changes you when you go to the Midwest as far as, as hunting goes. And if you can kill them here, you go to the Midwest, it'll make you, it'll make you think, where have I been my whole life? You know, why have I been? <laughs> it does. Yeah. I mean, it changes. Cause I've, I've hunted Tennessee and there's some great deer in Tennessee and there's great deer, you know, in Georgia and Alabama. I mean, they, they hammered, you hammered them yourself. I mean, you, you've killed some, some big ones and, but get to the Midwest when sooner than later. Don't, don't wait, man, put it on the, put it on the map and go. Cause it's a game changer. It changes your whole outlook on deer hunting. I will say there's a few properties around here that I would love to be able to hunt and they're, they're locked down. They got somebody hunting them where they don't allow anybody to hunt, but you know, I've tried, but there's some properties around here. That'd be about closest thing you can get to the Midwest. Uh, it's all ag country, river bottom, cornfields, fence rows, thicket, little thickets here and there. It, and there's some freaking giants. Yeah. How but, far uh, are you from Loretta Lynn's place? It ain't too far from, uh, Franklin, is I'm it? I think. Yeah, I forget where that is. Is that in? Um, dang, where is that? I can't think of that little town. Is it, um, is it in Perry County? That's that sounds uh, right. Tra- What's the name of that town? I've been through there a bunch. I, I'm drawing a blank. I think I know what you're talking about on the Buffalo River. Yeah, and the, and and you go off the Duck River. I spent a lot of time on the Duck River and running it, and that you talk about. Pretty country. I mean, it is absolutely, like he said, ag fields as far as you can see. I'd love to get up there coyote hunting. You could stretch them out, mm-hmm. I mean, up there. You get down there towards the Tennessee River, it's a lot of ag down that way. Right. And I am all from the Tennessee River westward all the way to Mississippi River, it's all ag. And I think that's a common misconception people get about Tennessee. They think it is, you know, just mountains as soon as you touch the state line, but it, it does have a lot of flat it's everything. river bottoms. Right. You got the coastal plain in West Tennessee. It's as flat as can be with cotton fields and corn fields as far as you can see. And you hit the Tennessee River, you get the hills, you get the Highland Rim, you got the Nashville Basin, the rolling hills, and more east you go, the plateau. Then you got more rolling hills, and you got the Smoky Mountains. You got pretty much a little bit of everything here. Is that why you, you stay in Tennessee? Is that home to you, going to be home to you forever? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, not maybe not Nashville. It's getting a little crowded here. I'd I'd like to move a little bit out of Nashville, but but Tennessee is definitely my home. Hurricane Mills. That's where Loretta Lynn's place is at. Yeah, I know the name. I I haven't. I can't say I've ever been by there, but wasn't that? Uh, but yeah, that's not too far from here. That wasn't that big. Uh, I guess it's a world record deer, wasn't it? That's yep. not too far from you, right? Where you killed that. Or was that on the um, north side that of Na- was that on the north side of dude, Nashville? The one that went three hundred something inches with all the points. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That was um that was up in 
up towards uh, Gallatin, I believe. I heard that farm where he killed it is a subdivision now. That's what I've been told. Really? Dang. Yeah, it's that the urban sprawl from Nashville's up in there thick. They're building like crazy up that way. Okay. Okay. But that 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 deer's a crazy deer because you go up there and there's a lot of deer up there, but they're a small deer. That was one of those freaks that just came out of nowhere. Maybe there's some genetics in there or something, but you'd be surprised. You go up there thinking, oh, the world record came from here. There's going to be a bunch of big deer. No, there's a bunch of little deer up there. <laughs> you're, my, you're mainly. Man, a- there's a few big deer. Few big, there's, there's no doubt big deer, you know, if you look hard enough. You, there's, there's big deer up there, but in general, it's like, it's like a bunch of little deer up that way. It's crazy. The dude pulled a 300-something inch deer out of there. Like that's just the way it goes. You you don't know where, it could happen to any of us. I mean, you go in the woods enough, yeah. you never know what's going to pop out. You're mainly a public yeah. land hunter, right? Most of the time, yeah. Yeah. You got any leases yeah, up that way? I don't lease land. No, I like I I rent on sixty something acres. I hunt here, and then I may get permission here and there to hunt on a piece of property. But if I'm not getting it, or you know, word of, word of mouth or written permission or or whatever, I'm not leasing the land. I'll just go out and hunt public because I don't want it. The way I see it, I don't want to pay to share a lease with other hunters when I can just go out and hunt public for free and share with other hunters. It's kind of the way I see it. Now, do you see the changes and challenges with public land and how they're shifting in the areas that you hunt? little bit. Certain areas across the board, not really. Um, I mean, it's always been pressured since I got into it. Uh, there's always been crowded areas. There's there's places close to home that I have almost not hunted at all because they've been crowded since I've started hunting. But then there are places that have seen a big spike in popularity. Public land turkey hunting, same thing. Oh yeah, turkey turkey and deer both. Yeah, I guess that'd be a challenge turkey hunt public land. I mean, I would think so. That's why Dave Owen sleeps in his truck at the gate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like with deer, you can share you can share a spot with a fellow hunter a lot better with deer than you can with turkey. You know, he sits up there, you sit up there, and you you're set there and hunt for the afternoon, or whatever. With turkey, if there's two guys hunting the same area and one bird goblin, they're both going after that same bird, so it's a little different. Have you had an altercation with anyone? No, I try to avoid trouble. I could have. I've had I had some guys a few years ago sneak in on me to park by my truck sneaking between me and the bird that was roosted in front of me and shot him out of the tree and i was real nice to him but uh i was like why uh why'd y'all like did y'all not see my truck he was like oh yeah we thought you was hunting those fields it's like there's a goblin turkey up on the ridge it's like no if you see my truck i'm always up here on this ridge (laughs) and i was like why didn't you let him fly down we would have had a perfect shot one of us would have killed him oh well we drove five hours to hunt here okay and then there's another bird goblin down the ridge, gobbling his head off. And his buddy who had who didn't shoot was like, You gonna go after that one? I was like, Yeah, I think I'm gonna go after that one. <laughs> so I just left I just left him. I could I could have started a whole bunch of crap with him, but I just kinda laughed it off. Yeah, what good I would it have done? Stay. No. I did get them all video though. I mean, it's up on the internet. And I don't show their face or anything, but I you could see everything happen. They shot that bird out of the tree. The bird was 50 yards in front of me, gobbling up on the limb. I'd watched him. I'd filmed him fly up the night before and stayed there till it was pitch dark. 
got out of there, came back at like four the next morning. First one there got set up in the dark and they came in on me. But you get that sometimes. Dude, I would have been irate. Yeah, but did did, did nobody, do you know if anybody contacted those guys after seeing that? I don't know. I know I've got a buddy who knows people from where they were from who thought he knew them, but I don't, if anybody I know knows them, they haven't told me. I mean, I, but, uh, that's illegal in Georgia. <laughs> it's see, it's they didn't do anything illegal, so it's not like they were breaking the law. All I could do is just go on find another turkey. I mean, you can't shoot them out. You can't shoot them off a roost in Georgia. Can you not? No. Yeah. Oh, well, didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, learning something new every day. <laughs> so better take that post down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all see y'all in a minute. Let me get over here. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But yeah, and that's you know we talk about that a lot and how it's easy to get an altercation on public land, and especially I guess shooting a turkey right out from underneath you. Wow, that'd be God. boy. I, I guess that would make you mad as a wet hen. But what good would it have done for you to start a row with them? You know, especially two fellows there with guns. And, you know, you never know what could happen. No, tell them what kind of crazy. This ain't no turkey worth you getting killed over. I mean. No, it ain't worth it. But uh, I, I know guys who said they'd have been throwing hands if they were in my place. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't say. I don't, I don't know if I'd done that. But, man, talking about, I mean. Well, I know guys who say they would have. But if they were in my place, I don't know if they actually would have. Them pretty big fellas, face mask and shotgun, uh, <laughs> decently big from what I remember. It's just, I don't know. It's just not ethical by any. No, standard. it wasn't. It wasn't cool at all. But sometimes you just gotta move on and keep hunting. Did you get every that? year? I go find. I'll go scout new places every year just to have more places to hunt. So if, if some guys for some reason move in on me in one spot, I'll just pack up and go to the next that spot that they don't know about. So. That's the thing with public land. I learned that back when I started is always have backup. Keep right. scouting, always have more spots to hunt. What made you want to start shed hunting in Tennessee? I mean, I know you guys probably have a lot more deer than we do here in North Georgia, but I mean, I could probably go out and spend 80 hours, wouldn't you think? I probably wouldn't even find a spike horn. In Georgia, this here, uh, here's a Georgia shed. That's a good one. And that down, down by, uh, down near Savannah. That was just by luck. I was hog hunting in Georgia a few years ago, sitting in a food plot with my buddy. And I was like, it looks like, you know, when they bush hog and there's dead stalks on the ground. I was like, is that a shed or is that grass? And my buddy's like, nah, that's grass. And I zoomed in my camera on it and he looked through his rifle scope. He's like, that's a shed. We're sitting there for half an hour before I noticed it. And so I picked up this shed in Georgia. That's this funny story he said in Georgia, but that was luck. Uh, I just, I didn't have a, a gun. I didn't have my license or anything, but I got an interest in hunting. And like it was fall of 2009 when the spark first hit, you know, when I first started thinking about it. And so by early 2010, you know, it wasn't turkey season yet. Definitely wasn't deer season. And so the best thing to do was to ride my bike around. I didn't even have a car yet. Ride my bike around and shed hunt, you know like behind parks or wherever I could find to go walk and uh, picked up a few that way. Actually uh, bought my first hunting license, sold. I, I kind of regret it now, but, you know, I 
I didn't have a lot of money at the time, so I sold my first sheds at a yard sale to pay for my first hunting license. That's pretty cool. At least you got well. You may regret it not having those sheds, but look at those memories you made with that first hunting license. Oh yeah. And I mean, it's kind of a trade-off, but at the same time, it's I I would I found a matching set ten pointer that for years sat on a shelf. I displayed them, everything else, and it was in Georgia. I found them right there on our home farm, and I I didn't want to do anything with them for years. And finally, I I got tired of digging them brow tines into my cold fingers trying to rattle with them, and I cut them brow tines off finally. Just and I've looked at them. I'm like, I wish I hadn't have done that. I wish I'd have put that on a shelf or something, but. At the same time, at yeah. least I'm carrying them and using them now. Yeah. Yeah, I've got plenty of sheds stacked up now. I don't shed hunt as much as I used to. I'll go from deer hunting to scouting to catfishing and scouting for turkeys. So I'm usually either uh, scouting for turkeys or fishing about that time of year, and then turkey season opens. So we'll have a few bucks drop early, like late January, February, early March. But a lot of times – a lot of bucks will hold in later into March, and then it starts greening up. It gets harder to find sheds, and then I'm picking morel mushrooms and turkey hunting then. So most of the sheds I've found over the past few years have been while I'm turkey hunting. How, what but do you look I've, for? I mean, what do you if, – if somebody was going to go out and look for sheds, I mean, do you look for that just that tip? Just tip or just tip of a tine, a curve of the main beam if it's upside down or the white pedicle. Just or sometimes you'll see like two or three times that are parallel. Uh, you're not looking for a whole antler, and a lot of times when I find them, I'm five feet from them about to step on them. Like they just blend in until you set your eyesight right directly on them. That's what I've always heard. Don't look for a horn. Look for something different. Look look for a piece of a of an antler. Just look for certain like that smooth, shiny pearl white colored tine or that curve of the main beam, something that's distinct. It's kind of like looking for morel mushrooms or uh, arrowheads. If you ever do any arrowhead hunting, it's kind of like that. You're just looking for like that, that characteristic. You're not looking for the whole thing. You find now morels are, I guess that's the most sought after mushroom in your area. Yeah, they're, they're even bigger in the Midwest, but uh, we got plenty of them around here. I'd be scared to death to hunt mushrooms. I'd eat the wrong one or something. I guarantee you something would happen. I've never hunted them. Well, morels are one of what they call the foolproof four or foolproof five, depending on who you ask. Uh, One of the few mushrooms that are kind of unmistakable. They they got that sea sponge look, and if you break them open or cut them in half long ways, the stem is completely hollow. So if you're picking a mushroom that looks like a morel and it's hollow inside, it's a morel. It's nothing else. How do There's you pre- different kinds of morels, different shapes and colors, but they're all the same sponge-looking cap with a completely hollow stem. How do you prepare those? Now you can saute them. You can use them like you'd use any other mushrooms, but the best way is to roll them in a little seasoned flour and deep fry them. Oh, boy, I bet that is good. It's hmm. really good. You like fried mushrooms, fried morels are on another level. I have to remember that because them. I mean, I never I, keep I, my eye open. Well, I look for them and usually, and but I've always been scared to death. But knowing it looks like a sponge, I'll pick them up and cut them in. Now, do you cut them in half while you're in the woods? If well, you know what they look like. I'd have every mushroom well, I got cut in half when I got to the house. Well, what I do is 
I try to, instead of pull them up by the roots or whatever, I try to break them off at the base so I don't damage the fungus that's growing underneath. Just take a knife or just use your thumbnail and pinch it off at the base, and you could just look straight up the middle of the stem. Okay. You don't have to cut it in half. You can just look at the base where you broke it off, and it's completely hollow. Now, what about that chicken of the woods they talk about? That's another one of the more foolproof ones. Uh, it's got it's like sulfur yellow on the underside, and it's like blaze orange on top. And it comes out. I've seen it in the spring, but it usually comes out in the fall. It likes to grow in like dead oak trees and stuff. That's. I mean, it's like kind of like chicken. It's got a grain to it, like it's meaty. It's it's almost like a, it's like mushroom flavored chicken is what it tastes like. What about it's ginseng? You doing that? I find a bunch of it. I don't dig it. Right. Uh, most of public land, you're not allowed to dig it, and I don't find enough to make it worth my while digging it anyways. Right. So I, I'll just take pictures of it or whatever. i tell you what. That's something that when we, when I was a kid, there was people that would come to my grandmother's house, and they would – and they was – you know, some rough old cusses showing up and, and beat up old pickups and stuff. And they'd ask my grandma, we go dig sang. Well, I didn't know what they was talking about. That and yellow root. They'd want to go dig them two things on our, on our property. And my grandma would tell them, yeah, go pass through. See if you find any. If you find any yellow root, bring me something back. Cause they'd use it for toothaches. They'd chew on the yellow root for a toothache, but they would come hmm. through and dig it. And, man, when I got to learning about, you know, West Virginia, East Tennessee, you know, Virginia, them boys up in there, they take that stuff serious. They ain't like no wars joke. over that stuff. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a heated battle over saying. There's a lot of poaching. A lot, a lot, people will cut the tops off their saying so people don't poach it. Yeah, they'll, they'll, you won't they got laws it. on it. It's, it's, it's protected by law. If you dig saying, you have to, a lot of states, you have to, you can only dig like in Tennessee. It's got to have red berries, mm-hmm. or you can't dig it. It's got. I think it's got to be at least three prong in Tennessee. It has to have red berries, and you have to plant the berries where you dug it. Yep, and it's you mm-hmm. you you uh, a three prong, three prong, four prong, five prong, whatever. And they would Tim, my neighbor. He's the one that got me taught I me an education. <laughs> now he's rough as a cob. My old neighbor. He would take the the berries that he grew on his own and plant it he had a patch there at his house i mean it was a pile of it and i went over there one day and he had one root and it was probably i'd say that one root was probably close to a pound dried and i mean it was a big one yeah and he got to talking i'm talking about a dried this is hollow and you you can ask cat man that stuff takes it takes a pile of it to make a, a a pound and this was one root and he had had that thing for I don't know how many years. And he had it in a, in a bucket. He was growing it, and he raked it back and showed me it. To, but he got to need him some money, and he took it and sold it. That's four, four or $500 for a pound of it that he got. It takes a lot of sang to make a pound. It does, yeah. That's why I said it's not – even if I could dig it legally, it's not worth the effort for me. Yeah, they. but Chinese use it as an aphrodisiac. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Most of we don't we export most of it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. That, there's buyers of it, and they 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 use it as an aphrodisiac, like Viagra for. Okay. Yeah, ain't it, cat man? That's what they say. Yeah. I think that's what I think that is. Don't be eating none out there, turkey hunting boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They uh. It's funny. We import we import Chinese ginseng for energy drinks, and we export American ginseng for them. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. 
and they take and grind it up into a powder. And I got, I mean, Tim was like a educational genius on ginseng. I mean, and he grew anybody up in that's Virginia. ever talked about that to me, like you said, has always been kind of. Little yeah, rough, a little rough. A little bit rough. Probably probably had a felony or two on the record. <laughs> <laughs> Did, when you, yeah, where were you looking for those morel mushrooms at, in the bottoms or the hilltops? Both. Both? I found them in creek bottoms, fence rows. Is, it, uh, is there something that – Up on top of ridges. I found some of my bigger patches on top of ridges or on hillsides. If you're in hills, I find a lot on hillsides. They're around like pretty much there's no there's no rhyme or reason. There's certain like I've found I seem to find more around big groves of tulip trees or poplar, probably call it poplar. I've found some of my better patches in groves of poplar. Uh I don't know if it's because of the tree or if it's because the leaf litter makes it easier to see them. But uh I found them around the base of ash trees. But other than that, it's pretty much no rhyme or reason. You can find them just about anywhere. Hmm. And you may look for hours. It's like shed hunting. You could look for hours and not find a one. It's like is that old saying true? If you find a pile of mushrooms, you'll kill a big buck. Uh well, since I'm not deer hunting in the spring, I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but I have, I have, I have put down my bag of mushrooms to call up a turkey a time or two. Well, that's, there you go, Nick. You might be in the mushroom business. I did. I never have been. Never look for them. That's that's some good eating right there. I've the past two or three years, I've I've come out of the woods with a few mushrooms and a dead turkey, and cut the turkey breast into strips, cut the morels in half, and uh, rinse them off, roll everything in seasoned flour, and deep fry. It's a talk about some good eating. I got my ears open for turkeys, and I got my eyes on looking for Mister No Legs. <laughs> oh, snakes! <laughs> y'all ain't got. Have y'all got snakes bad up there? I don't see them a whole lot. Every now and again, I'll come across them. It's usually rat snakes or black racers. I've seen a few rattlesnakes, a couple of copperheads, but uh, it depends on where you're at. I've heard, I hear people say, oh, if you go down here in Wayne County, it's covered up in, in copperheads or rattlesnakes. I'm like, all right, I'll take your word for it. I don't see them very often. Yeah. Hey, some, they, that's one thing I liked about, sorry, that's one thing I liked about going to Maine when we was up there last year, some of that shit we was walking through. I wouldn't have walked through it in Georgia without snake traps on, <laughs> but they don't have no venomous snakes up there. So I looked around at yeah. Blaine, Blaine one time. I said, "Man, I said if this was if this was uh, South Georgia, son, we'd be high stepping." <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think yeah, that they blend in good. And I think that's one thing you know, state states you go to. You've talked about it time and time again that you had to deal with gnats up there, though, didn't you? Mosquitoes. Mosquitoes. Was it mosquitoes? Mosquitoes, I hear they're bad up north. Bad. Bad is an understatement. I mean, thir- yeah. thermocell in your front pocket, bad. Yeah. 40% deed all over your whole head. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can wear deed because turkeys can't smell you, can they? That's right. That's right. They can smell you and never kill I, you. I wear deed in deer season, too, if they're bad. Every now and again, we'll get a hatch here, like my backyard, all summer long. I mean, I got a pond here, so it's good breeding grounds for mosquitoes. But uh, all summer long, they were not bad at all. Then right before deer season, it's like we had a hatch, and they, I couldn't go out back by the pond without spraying 40% deep. It was bad. Catman, tell us one. Tell us a good story. I know you got one on your mind. You're you always good at, at you know talking when you're on your camera. It, tell us a good story. I know you 
got one that sticks out. What do you want? Deer, turkey? It don't uh, matter. You can talk about you can talk about hunting ginseng or, or nearly hitting somebody on a bicycle in Franklin. I don't I don't care. Just a good <laughs> tail. Oh yeah, you get give me something to go off of here because I could give us a good catfishing story. Mm, we don't we don't hear too many you. of them. We, we always don't. talking deer and turkey. Let's, let's hear a good catfishing story. Yeah, I guess it's not as exciting when you're catfishing unless you catch a real big one. Um, and they some biggins on the Tennessee oh, River. I got, yeah, I'll be heading down there here pretty soon. Fish for them. I got a catfishing story. Um, now that I think of it, I've always been going after one of the real big ones. I mean, here, even in the Cumberland, they catch them 60, 70 pounds. My biggest is 34. Well, this is two, three, four years ago. I don't remember. Maybe two or three years ago, I was fishing, had my baits in the water right on the current seam right near the edge of the channel where the current kind of swirls and you can see that seam down the water. Well, I'm one of my lines goes tight or whatever. I pull down on it. This thing feels huge and I can feel his head kind of slowly shaking back and forth. Like, like, dang, that's a big fish. And I could not like barely get him up off the bottom. So I'm sitting there just being patient. Anytime I got an inch or two, I'd pull an inch, reel down a little bit. And then I would work, it, it took me, you know, several minutes to get it worked up like halfway to the boat. And then right when it started getting close, it would just go straight back down again. And I couldn't stop it. Well, I didn't time it, but it was at least half an hour fighting this thing. And I finally got it close enough to the surface and I started to see something. And I was probably about a 10 or 15 foot long log that was <laughs> spinning around in the current. <laughs> and every time I got it up, it would hit a different current and it would take it back down. And the current was making it go back and forth like a fish shaking its head. I was so convinced I had the biggest fish in my life and it was a stick. <laughs> Caught your limb brim. Yeah, it was a big old, uh, best limb brim I ever caught. That thing had me fooled. I've never been fooled by a stick like that. You ever the, been the way the current hit it? You ever been gator hunting? No, it's on my bucket list. I I will either draw a tag in Georgia this year or I'll get my third preference point. I went down to Florida last year and got to go with some guys. And uh, I tell you, if you want to practice for it, just go out on your back deck or get on a porch and get you a sack of sacrate and just throw it off the porch tied to a bait caster and just try to pick that thing up. That's what it was for about two hours, trying to get it off the bottom. That's oh, it. That's, fishing with rod and reel? Yeah. We hooked, we hooked them, snared them with a treble hook. That's the, that's yeah. the most amazing, I, I mean, I, I, amazing, unreal feeling you'll ever feel when you latch on to an alligator. Did you get that video put on, on YouTube? No, I, I got a good video for it. I ain't <laughs> never got put on there. It's, been, it's got an awesome video <laughs> to put on YouTube, and he's still, he knows. I guess I'll wait and drop it in deer season <laughs> next year or something. <laughs> I'd like to see that. So did you use a rod and reel or a hand line with a treble hook? No, we used a rod and reel. So really? we we ran we ran the lake and uh we'd spot them and they'd go down and then you'd you'd pitch on them, look for the bubbles and you'd cast on them. And the the boys I went with, they they've gator hunted for uh, their whole lives. I mean, they grew up in Florida and one of them, he's a he's a big old boy, old Billy. He's probably 350. Uh, about six three, six four, three fifty, and he hooked that joker. By he was the first one in, and for an hour he held it just by himself while we was trying to get another line in it. 
and we got one hooked in it and pulled it, and then we got another one in it, and the goal is to pull it up together and get a harpoon in it. Well, you get a harpoon in it, then you've got something to pull it into the boat with when you kill it. So Rusty, hmm. my other buddy, he hooked it, and he his arms started cramping. I mean, he's holding this thing, and I'm talking all kinds of junk. I thought, oh, that thing can't be that bad. Let me have that rod well. <laughs> Latch this 150-pound ass a hold of that uh 450 pound alligator and son it was on mm. that thing it felt like a, like i said a bag of saccharide on the bottom of the river trying to move it up and we got it up and i when it come to the surface i thought it was a dinosaur it's 11 foot six so it was a it was That's a big a old size. alligator so it's fun i, I, I can't I decide i'd i'd have to do my research but i i can't decide if i do the limb lines or if i'd uh just go out and spot them and shoot them with a 22 or how i'm gonna do it because i think there's a diff- few different ways you can legally do it yeah That's something I, when i draw a, a tag i'm gonna have to figure out how i'm actually going hunting yeah florida you can't you can't use a, a rifle or limb lines you got to you got to snare really? them harpoon them shoot them with a bow um and that's what we done we shot it with a, a bang stick we got it up to the top and it went under the water and the bang stick didn't go off three or four times i'm hitting this alligator in the head <laughs> with a bang stick and it won't go off and of course, I'm getting these boys. That's the real reason he didn't put the YouTube video out. He can't, it's going to no, be too many beeps I, in it. I, yeah, I got to edit it. It's him, but it was cussing from one end to the other. It's golly, it was, it was bad. I get some stuff I I wouldn't even want to be. It's nobody to hear me saying, but it was bad. But it's it's a lot of fun. It's probably the I'll say it's the most exciting, exhilarating, and nervous I've ever been in my life trying to hunt an animal. Because I mean, your feet. Really? from an animal that will literally chew your arm off if it gets a chance so do oh, it yeah. give it a try if you like if oh, you like it it's been on my bucket list it's been on my bucket list ever since swamp people was big i was like man that looks fun and well, i like eating gator tail so i finally started putting in a couple of years ago uh putting in for georgia because i'd been down that way and seen a few gators and figured you know they're everywhere down there if i can draw a tag i probably have pretty good odds of killing one Holler at me. We might see if we can't line something up in Florida. Yeah. And boys, that, I, you can I just get a t- you can just get a tag over the counter there. So, can you really? Yeah, yeah. You actually get so the tags. Whoever puts in for the tags, they draw you know one, two, three, whatever for their area, and then you buy a trapper's assistance license. So, which is what I bought. I bought a trapper's assistant, and you go on the hunt. You do whatever you know, and you. You prefer, whoever's with you, they got to, you know, have the tags. And the guy okay, actually drew two sense. this year for that first season. And there's there's open seasons. So you have the first season, which that's the one you want to be on. Of course, like everything else, you want to get out there before anybody else does. And then you have a second season. And you have a third season. And then they open it up for, like, over-the-counter purchases, I, I believe, that you can get a tag, but they get scarce. You know, the big ones do. As the as season gets on, people get to messing with them. They get pretty scarce. That makes sense, yeah. But invest in a lot of treble hooks. I think I broke off probably $200 worth of them oh, four-alt treble hooks. I mean, then lead weights. Because, I mean, you're throwing it into brush. You're pitching it into a brush pile. Imagine throwing a hook that's that big yeah. into a brush pile and trying to hook the only thing in there alive. And it'd be an alligator. And yeah. when it moves, oh, you know, you you've, uh, you've touched. Because there was a few times we, we hooked some smaller ones and or touched off on them. And they'd be like, no, don't don't hook that one. That one's too small. We ain't messing with that one. So, hmm. Have you done any catfish uh, tournaments? No, I've never, I've never got into tournaments. I kind of fish for the enjoyment. And 
Uh, not saying I won't, but it, I've never been a big tournament guy. How how much has the saddle game changed for you? Because I watched your YouTube video on on you just kind of demonstrating everything. How much has that changed for you? Not a whole lot. I I climb a lot a lot more trees than I used to. I've always used a, a climber of some sort if I wanted to be mobile and pick a tree to climb. And then uh, I had a couple of friends of mine who've been using the saddle three or four years before me, and they're like, you should try it sometime. I'm like, I will someday. Finally, I broke down and gave it a shot. It was right after I bought a lock-on because I was tired of not being able to climb trees. You had all these crazy hackberries and junk trees that were in good spots, but there was no tree I could get a climber on. So I finally got a, a lightweight lock on and, uh, killed a deer out of it, hunted a few times. And then I tried the saddle and had to look back. Was you ever worried about the offhand shot on that, in that thing? Or have you mastered that no, by now? I just kind of figured it out as I went. I killed a doe a couple of years ago. That was hard, right? The three yards, almost straight down. Hmm. It's like everything I just, else. I don't practice. know. I'm, yeah, every, I mean, everyone learns it different too. Like some people say, you know, it may take weeks or a whole season to get used to it, and some people just step right into it. I think it's different for everybody. I kind of just stepped right into it. Yeah. But I'm also not shooting deer past 20 yards with my bow. I did make my longest rifle kill a few years ago out of a saddle. Really. Was that the yeah. one? Is that the one you? Uh, that's not the one you killed this year, though, right? No, it was two or three years ago. I I was hunting over a CRP field on a cold morning, and I wanted to hunt that field again this year, but it stayed hot until the end of season. It just didn't get cold enough to because I like to always hunt that field on a really cold morning because I come out in the sun where they're in the weeds, tall weeds for cover, but out in the sun to warm up. I never did get out there this this past season, but I was up sitting up in a walnut tree in, in my saddle and uh those came out and didn't get a shot till they were 180 yards out and that's where i got my shot and dropped one in its tracks that was a heck of a buck you killed this year man thank you that was which a, one the, uh the I get, eight or the 11 Ooh. the 11 probably i seen that the one, one out in the big field where i guess you're hunting close to an interstate it sounds like no, that's that's my backyard. I mean, it might as well be an interstate, except worse. <laughs> <laughs> this is the eight. Uh, the eleven point is at the taxidermist right now. But yeah, that was my backyard deer I killed with the muzzleloader. Yeah, that's the one. I guess you you had watched it all all summer. All all summer since June, I watched him grow. Yeah, that was that was a good one. Thank you. Yeah, he was. I was almost on the fence until. Until he hopped the fence, and I knew I was going to shoot him when he did that. Yeah, he was going back and forth there for a little while. I didn't know where he was where he was going. I, is, was he pushing he was those does? Doe. There was a doe he was with. I'm assuming she was coming in or something because he was with her. I think there may have been another little buck. No, there was. I saw earlier that day. There was a little buck. I heard some commotion in the woods, and I heard a snort wheeze, or I thought I did. A while later, this doe steps out just across the fence on the neighbors going off on the neighbor's land. And then about a minute or so, he's right behind her. And so I was like, well, she's taking him away for good unless I can call him over. So I just threw a snort wheeze at him. And within about 15 seconds, he turned around, coming straight back the way he came and hopped the fence and came out looking for me. It was game over then. Yeah. 
How yeah, he he uh, he was looking. He was he didn't have his ears pinned back or anything, but that got his attention. He was looking. Well, Cat Man, as we're winding up here, man, we're almost a, we're almost an hour in this thing. Believe it or not. Um, oh wow! Yeah. What would um, I'm gonna ask you a few questions here at the end? I always end the show with what would be a perfect day in the woods for you? Idea man, perfect that's day. That's a tough one. Yeah, idea perfect day. Mm, let's say when I'm gonna have to come up with something because there, there's a lot of perfect days I can think of. I would say calling in a turkey off the roost, killing him, picking a bunch of morels, and going catching a bunch of fish, and then and then uh, having a cookout with buddies. There you cold go. Beer. There you go. Much like better it. now. I, yeah, I could get on board with that. <laughs> I'll be. I'll have the grease hot, son. Just bring it on in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I I'd like say, it. that. That'd be that's pretty hard to beat right there. Where you get the trifecta: kill a turkey, pick some mushrooms, and catch some fish, and then you have a fish fry, cook everything up. Mm, I, you speak of <laughs> my language now. I got you on that. I could go for that one. Uh, what's a, what's a piece of advice you'd give a new hunter? Hmm. Let me think. Let me think this one through. That's when people kind of. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with experience is the best teacher agree with that like there there, you can get all kinds of advice i could give all kinds of advice but until you get out there and really start learning you know you can you can be book smart on hunting but until you get the experience that's that's when you really start to learn that's right is when you mess up get out there and mess up make mistakes and observe animals out in the wild and what they do and that's that's going to help you pay attention to everything every critter in the woods and and how they do it what they do and and That'll teach you a lot. We have to make mistakes to be better at what we do. Oh yeah. We have to make mistakes and we have to lose. What are you yep. most what are you most thankful for, Catman? Hmm, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if I could put that into just one thing. Um I don't know. What are you? Uh my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ first and then my family and friends. I think that's a good answer. I'll roll with that. Yes, sir. <laughs> I like it. Hey, uh, I was trying to I was trying to catch your way of thinking because that's a that's a tough question. You know, it could go a lot of different ways. Yes, sir. But I, I like your thinking. Yes, sir. Well, yeah, that's I, I, I would agree with that. Yes, sir. Um, is there anybody you want to give a shout out to before we before Alex wraps it up? Um, not off the top of my head. Uh. Put me on the spot here. I hate it. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, man. Yeah, you got you got me some interesting questions. Um, I tell you what, I if don't you, know if, if if you ponder on it a little while, you come by booth eighteen forty one up there, son. I let you uh, I let you answer them best way you want to. Yeah, that's a good way. Right. Yeah, we, man, you take him questions right there that he asks you, and if you say, "Boy, I wish I'd have said this," or "I wish I'd have said that," you jot it down. <laughs> you, you come, come by, by the booth, Nick, yeah, and put you on the mic. Yeah, we'll have, first thing I'll say, I'll walk up to you and be like, "Here's my answer." Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we'll have a we'll have all the podcast stuff sitting there, man. So come up and chit chat with us for a while, and uh, just hang out. Yeah, Alex yeah. won't be there. Cody will be there. Cody's not here tonight, and um, okay, so you'll you'll see a couple of us. Good deal. I for sure. Uh, just send me send me a message with y'all's booth number, just so I can. I will cut go and actually find y'all because I'll, I'll be wandering all over the place. I will. I'll shoot you. A, I'll put my cell phone number on there too if you want to shoot me a text or whatever. 
And um, we, we should be up early Thursday morning, man. We can't make it up there Wednesday just for work and stuff. Yeah, I'm not going to fool with Wednesday. I'll be up there probably just for the exhibit show uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You ain't got into calling competition? No, I'm really not that good of a caller. Well, I'm not I either. Mean, yelps, but. clucks, cutting. I mean, I'm not competition good. I can call in and kill a turkey, but I'm not a competition <laughs> That's me, brother. That's me. So, you got yeah. anything, Mark? No, I'm good. Good. Anything you want? Well, I just, I mean, I want to appreciate you for coming on, Cat Man. I mean, I, I know you're busy and you got a lot of things going on. And it's, I, I would, I'll say this just talking to you tonight, I believe I could sit down and have a conversation with you next to a campfire a heck of a lot better than I could on a Zoom call. He and, just told you what you was going to be best. doing. <laughs> hey, that's hey, the I'm best have, right there. Yeah, it is. And, and I think that's, you know, that's kind of how I always go into the to the end of the show and, and call it the final spit. And you really bring something to the table that we don't hear a lot anymore. It's you know you're you're a young man that's coming up in a world that's just like we are that we could take a lot away from it and and, and go any direction that we feel like we could go. But you bring a soft spoken, well deserved, and humble approach to a well-versed life without taking anything more than you, than you've been given. You go out into the woods and you seem to really take in everything that you can enjoy. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't get to enjoy anymore. They take away the, they take away the, the memory of, of an animal. And if they take an animal, they're okay with that. And they consider it a success, but when they don't, they consider it a failure. And I think we need yeah. to do more. You're the kind of person that, I can honestly say if you go out there and you don't take an animal, I believe you take away from it something else. And always try to learn something. And there's there you have those bad days, of course, but uh, more often than not, you can learn something in the woods. Even if you don't kill what you're after, if you don't meet your ultimate goal, you can still take something away from it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I've got that from you, and I, and I I want to thank you for being you know a person that's out there in the public eye. A lot of people watch your stuff, and I think a lot of people take from it a little better understanding of what they can do better at. And I think that's the biggest thing that I'll, I'm I'm thankful to see somebody that's you know younger and as an influencer in the outdoor community, you're doing things the right way. And I just want to thank you for doing that because I think that's the way that we should we could all be better at doing it that way. Yeah, well, I appreciate it, man. Keep it up. I'll keep doing what I'm. I'll keep doing what I'm doing. I don't have any plans on changing. I love it. I love it. And don't cut that hair. No matter. If, no matter if I get on you now about your hair, leave it long because I like it. It, it. It's starting to get pretty long. I may cut it here soon. I hate to break it to you. Maybe. Maybe I'll wait a little longer. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Maybe we can at least get around a campfire and and, and try to try to uh, reminisce on it anyway. So I ain't cutting mine. I'm letting it go. So Catman, I appreciate go. you coming on and uh, you know. You, if you ever need anything down here in Georgia, holler at us. But if we can get you on and uh, maybe uh, maybe get on a gator together, holler at me. Let's see if we can't line something up. I will do. I appreciate it. You killed a bird in Georgia yet? Not yet. Yeah, I may. I probably won't have time this year because I'm trying to line up a few other states. But uh, it's I'm not far from Georgia. I may get a wild hare, go down there, and try to kill one. Well, holler at me, man. We'll uh, we'll get up and take we'll you somewhere. Do. I appreciate it. Yeah, brother. Well, like we say every time, want to thank Catman for joining us tonight. Want to thank everybody for tuning in to the show. It's been a great one. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you'll come back and listen again. Maybe 
Check us out over on Instagram. Make sure you go over and follow along on Catman on YouTube and Instagram. He's got some great videos over there. I promise you'll enjoy them because we sure have. So and go and go check out your YouTube video. Yeah, you just yeah. Dropped, a, dropped, a, dropped a YouTube video, a little coyote hunting here in Georgia. So getting them fired up in January. Uh, oh. I, oh boy, I couldn't make it tonight. I wish he would have. Oh Mayo, he'd, yeah. he'd have been fun. I'd been fun to have him here. But maybe yeah. we can call him up and tell him we had him on the show or we mentioned him on the show. He'd probably be proud to we'll hear that, that, wouldn't he? <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, everybody here at Talk About It Outdoors, we want to thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode. We want to thank Catman for joining us. Like I said, check him out. He's got some good stuff over there. So come back and be with us when you can. And remember, smile as you go, but don't forget, mount the memories.